Calder, it's me. Where have you been? I've been trying your cell all day. I was out squatching. What? Bigfoot hunting. Had my phone turned off. Did you have any luck? No, that's not really the point. I just had to get away from the madness for a little while. It seems this past year, all I've done is watch the news and worry that the country's gone insane. I had to get out to nature, you know, where it's simple and uncomplicated, where it's just you and the elements, and possibly a cryptozoological simian-like hairy humanoid with enormous feet. I think you just like saying squatching. We still on for dinner tomorrow night? Yeah, I'll see you then. Hey, Skelly, I ever tell you about the time I found a Sasquatch footprint in the mud? Yeah, you did. 35 I, years I, ago. Mulder, I've heard this before. On the banks of the mighty Mogo and go go River in beautiful go, British go. Columbia, Skelly. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. And filling in as guest host while John is down in cowboy country for the week, we are incredibly proud to have on the show Robert Scavarla, a Philadelphia-based freelance writer who has published works on Medium, Diabolique Magazine, Atlas Obscura, the list goes on. And in addition to being an absolutely dogged reporter and researcher whose area of specialty lies in the study of fringe communities, new religions, the occult, and conspiracy theories, Robert also co-hosted the Evil Eye podcast alongside our very own Sam Deegan, and is all around an awesome dude with great taste in cinema. So thank you so much for being here. We are so grateful to have you on the show, Rob. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, since we have a real dyed-in-the-wool professional wingnut with us here today, <laughs> uh, the, the kind of guy whose tinfoil hat isn't merely store brand, but the kind you got to send away for in the back of a magazine called Better Hollow Earths and Gardens, <laughs> we figured we would have some fun and, and sort of break from formula for today's episode. Instead of doing our usual deep dive into one film, we curated a truly wild, cryptid triple feature three mind-melting movies to feature the all-American cryptid king, Bigfoot. But before we get into the weird psychotronic world of cryptid cinema, let's first take a look at the weird psychotronic real-life world of cryptid culture. Rob, earlier this summer, you went to uh, a cryptid convention out in the middle of the woods. So what was that all about? So I've technically been to two so far, and I plan on going to a few more before the end of the year. The first one um, was in a city, Asbury Park, New Jersey. It was the Jersey Devil Fest. Hell yeah. It was it was good in ways and not as good in others. It was a little small, a little too cosmopolitan for my tastes. Oh, yeah. Because when you get into cryptids, as you soon find out, this tends to be much more of a rural phenomenon. So the second one I went to was in, you know, Bumblefuck, Western PA. The place is a, not Monroeville because it's Stone of the Dead, right? Yeah. Somewhere there about. Like okay. Northwestern PA. I think it was called like the Western PA Bigfoot Festival or something to that effect. I don't remember offhand, but it was everything you would expect for um, a combination of cryptids and a local folk festival. So I got to hear about Bigfoot and then I got to see, you know, women dancing um, to like clogging. Oh, hell yeah. Like, hell uh, yeah. Got to see, a, you know, a Christian themed bluegrass band play. You know, it's did they did they sing expect. songs about Bigfoot? They did not, unfortunately. Damn it was it. all about Jesus and how Jesus loves you. But in a way, if you think about it, Jesus, you know, with all the hair, yeah, sure. Like Bigfoot. And you know, yeah, the guy's <laughs> probably got a real big foot. 
too. The Shroud of Turin looks like Bigfoot. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love the idea that uh, that if you were to have a real, say, Bigfoot convention or whatever it would be, yeah, you want to not do it in a big city. It doesn't make sense. And I feel like the kind of crowd that it would attract if it was at the same hall where they'll have an anime convention, you know, next month. It would be a lot of day trippers who aren't real, like, you know, the real deal. Whereas if you put it somewhere that is a little harder to get to, the people that will show up are the ones who are like fucking <laughs> all all in. And and I'm curious kind of uh not just where you sit in that. Like, I mean I know I know you kind of go in as as a reporter, but I, I I'm picturing you doing a little bit of uh cosplay no 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 i was gonna say like kind of almost gonzo journalism where you do want to understand the subject and document the subjects of of these people that are into this this stuff in such a strong way but also the only way to really get that kind of access is if you you, go in person yeah and you don't quite come across as some city slickered some day tripper you know yeah uh so one of the reasons i wanted to go to this is um i'm into that stuff in general i don't necessarily believe it's the same thing with like ufos and conspiracy theories all the stuff i am into there are aspects i believe and aspects i don't like i believe there may be intelligent life but i don't believe it's necessarily what we've been presented with uh with bigfoot cryptids all of this stuff i'm fascinated by it but i'm more fascinated by like why people are attracted to those beliefs yeah and particularly the spiritual and religious element which i've noticed is cropping up more frequently in ufo communities and with cryptids so one of the things that i saw when i went out to western pa is that you're right you when you go to when i went to the one in asbury park the crowd that showed up was very different it was also much smaller there was probably maybe 50 people there the entire day for the Jersey Devil Fest or whatever they call it. Again, forget the name with that. The one I went to in Western PA, there was probably a thousand people over three days. And it was very much what you would expect when you would go to a rural community in Western PA because there was lots of people in hunting gear, lots of people, unfortunately, that were Trump fans. So you would see a lot of crossover. There were tents where you would literally see like um pictures of bigfoot holding an ar and oh then wow yeah. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah, a trump yeah. flag in the background you know that doesn't really surprise me at all um but i think i i definitely want to talk more about like the crossover between like you know the maga stands and like the weird you know american right wing with cryptozoology and then all that shit i mean yeah. there's, there's a serious crossover but something that you just mentioned about the the religious aspect to it uh, I, I have a theory, and I'm curious uh, what you think. I think that, uh, you know, God is dead. He's been dead for a while. But that <laughs> news has has begun to reach middle America. And it's... Uh, 150 years after Nietzsche declared it? Yeah, really, they're, they're, <laughs> they're just getting around to that shit. And, but it's, it's such a fucking, you know, it, it pulls the rug out from under you if you're, you know, a, a real believer in that kind of shit. And you still need an outlet for religion. I feel like these cryptid things kind of fill in that void in a lot of ways. Or there's this thing in the woods that there are stories of that people need to ascribe some sort of belief onto. An actual leap of faith is required. And 
it's it is so strange that that is such a like an obvious parallel i mean it's real american folk horror yeah yeah so the other thing to it too is that in america american religion has always been what sociologists would call improvisational so it's not like christianity has always been this one set thing it's gone in waves um, and changed in different ways. If you get into the sociology of religion, they talk about these periods known as Great Awakenings. And I understand that sounds like QAnon terminology because that's sort of been adopted within that subculture. But there's definitely been at least two official, what they call spiritual, like Great Awakenings. Then, to a lesser extent, more recently, they argue there may have been a third and a fourth in the 60s and 70s, and then again more recently. But during the Second Great Awakening in this part, uh, in this place in New York, the Burned Over District, they would have like various spiritual movements, one of which was spiritualism, which is based on a bunch of different kind of like spooky ideas coming from people like Emanuel Swedborg, but it was also based loosely in Christian faith. So you would get a lot of the precursors to like new age spiritual beliefs that we have today seances and things like that ghost placentas yeah the fox sisters so today you see something i think similar to that current within american religion with that spiritual spiritualism because a lot of the cryptid communities that rise up um it's a response in many ways to like economic conditions in those places a lot of the communities that do these are communities that, you know, have been hit hard by deindustrialization. So they turn to what some people might call pagan. It's folk items. religion for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's folk religions. Um, sometimes taken from indigenous communities, sometimes based out of European folklore, and they create functionally order pilgrimage sites. There's uh, this scholar, Joseph Laycock. He's written about the Satanic Temple and modern Satanism, but he's also written some stuff about cryptozoology and the way communities turn these um, sites into pilgrimage sites akin to Muslims going to Mecca or Christians going to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because America is such a new state uh, in, in terms of the world, we don't have these, you know, real, actual religious sites save for of course like salt lake city in utah for the mormons real holy place <laughs> but real in but, air quotes speaking of creepy ideas but yes. what we actually do have in the u.s that are these like holy grounds are roswell are are the, the fuck in the middle of the woods where you know some guy said he saw point pleasant west virginia with a mothman where i will be going next month yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real fucking psychonaut you are <laughs> i'm doing one here in pennsylvania for one of our versions of bigfoot okay all i know about about bigfoot and uh, all of these cryptids i have just gleaned from uh, dumb cult movies. That's that's really where I get most of my knowledge of, of everything. <laughs> if it wasn't a movie about it, I'm, I'm kind of in the dark. But I'm curious, imagine I'm a, I'm a big dummy. What is, is Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Yeti, are those all the same fucking thing? Is, or is it just... or like what? Not necessarily. Like It's a concept that's... It's knowable between cultures. And it, for example, in Western culture, you could even argue it goes back to the beginning of recorded history. If you look at something like the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, you have Enkidu, who was uh, kind of like a wild man figure, and Bigfoot persists in that imagery. In the Bible, there's Esau in the book of Genesis, you know, this man covered in hair. So it's something that definitely has like 
uh, predecessor in European and Western folklore. And then um, when you get to America, it blends with distinct ideas within indigenous cultures and other immigrant communities. So, for example, the one I'm mentioning in Pennsylvania is in Lancaster. Um, the figure is the Albert Witch, which is kind of like a smaller version of Bigfoot, and it's based on Pennsylvania Dutch folklore. And the Pennsylvania Dutch have a bunch of these like cryptid-like figures based on their you know, history. So Pennsylvania is like one of those states that has all kinds of weird and interesting um, cryptozoology like figures, cryptozoological, cryptozoological creatures. I'm not sure how you want to phrase that. And you see it in different states as well. Ohio is another one where um, there's a blend of indigenous culture, European folklore, and immigrant communities. So throughout the United States specifically, you have a bunch of different versions. You have the Albert Witch, you have Bigfoot, you have the Skunk Ape in Florida. And wait, what's in Florida? The, the skunk, skunk ape. What the fuck? Yeah, it's a it's like a swamp Bigfoot. Yeah, that, wow. That emerged out of indigenous legend, yep. basically. But like, any it seems like among white people, and correct correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, among white people, it seems like anywhere populations of German descendants landed, like Pennsylvania Dutch. Yep. For anyone who doesn't know that term dutch is a bastardization of deutsch which is german and if you look at like i was just at the hospital a couple days ago and on the wall they had the sort of check-in instructions in 20 different common to the area languages and one of the languages is pennsylvania dutch but anywhere german settlers landed it seems like folk religion traditions are still pretty strong absolutely like yeah. pennsylvania ohio wisconsin it's yep. wild um bigfoot specifically you see a lot of it in the pacific northwest a lot of alleged sightings a lot in western pa so there's like a tradition with bigfoot in america but it's between cultures the yeti is a figure that emerged in asian cultures so there's always been this idea of like a wild man in the woods that may be an ape, maybe part human, part something else, some kind of like strange hominid like figure. I guess what you're saying then is that while all of these different terms like the uh, the Yeti and the Sasquatch and the Bigfoot may have their like regional flavors right. at their hearts, they're kind of all... The, it's fundamentally kind of the same thing. Gotcha. But no, then there are the Wu people who actually treat Bigfoot as a kind of godlike figure. Amazing. Where are they based? No, I mean, so within the Bigfoot community, and this is something I actually learned myself probably over the last couple of months, there's two groups of Bigfooters currently that exist in America. There are the hominid people who believe Bigfoot is an ape-like creature that sure. can be found through science. And then there are the Wu people who generally are what we would call like New Agers. They're people who, are, who believe you can interact with Bigfoot through meditation. There are people who believe that Bigfoot is an interdimensional creature. And the reason we can't see him is he can pass into other oh, realms. Oh, fuck yeah. There are people who believe that Bigfoot had, these are the people who believe Bigfoot has some kind of cloaking ability to prevent, you know, people from seeing him. Yeah. And then there are the people who also believe that Bigfoot is an extraterrestrial or I, a god. So... Uh amazing that's like, <laughs> that gets into the whole religious aspect that i'm fascinated by are these people based in a specific location no, or community so one of the things that you find with these types of communities going back to the 70s 
is that they slowly rose up through um, what we would call like maybe zines or newsletters. That's how they first interacted. And then as time went on and it became slightly more acceptable because cable put this into people's minds through shows like sightings or network TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries, it became a little more acceptable and they could interact a little better. And then the internet came along and they all just found each other. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Sometimes I'll see, like, old news clips of, like, Dan Rather doing, like, a joking, <laughs> like, you know, puff piece. Like, tonight we uh, look into the Bigfoot. Or, like, we'll make, like, a Bigfoot joke. So it was just part of the, like, the Americana yeah. consciousness for, for so long. It's just... The FBI actually investigated Bigfoot. It's, it's incredible. Wow. There's an actual FBI file on Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> They're weird as hell. Yeah. They investigated Louie Louie. They investigated all kinds of strange God, stuff. Is, is, is no one sacred from the FBI? I mean, the FBI couldn't find Bigfoots. <laughs> well, case closed. A man murdered on a fishing trip. And tonight, his friend is the one locked up. He was asking, I guess, where his dad was. And he said, your dad's not coming back. Well, just be able to tell there are a lot of issues with this story. The suspect telling investigators he did it because he feared his friend was going to feed him to Bigfoot. And tonight, the shock is still settling in for their loved ones. News 4's Caitlin Ogle is in Pontotoc County with the new details. So obviously today we're talking about Bigfoot movies, and we're mostly talking about a lot of 70s, early 80s movies. Do you have any idea what the first Bigfoot movie was? Like, it, it seems like the 70s is when it really just popped off. And yeah. they're making Bigfoot movie, like, exploitation movies and low-budget horror movies and even... Bigfoot erotica, but like, where does where does that come from? I think technically the first film may have been the Patterson Gimlin film, which for those who aren't aware, it was um, a short film, like literally like a couple of seconds to a minute, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, of a Bigfoot okay. figure in Humboldt County, California. Is that is that by... the walking guy with his arms out? That well, fame. So it, it's not technically a guy because it's one a of the lady. things people say is that <laughs> you can see Bigfoot's, you know boobs bouncing ah, up and down okay, so okay, okay. this bigfoot may be a woman but it was shot by uh roger roger patterson and bob gimlin in 1967 in humboldt county so now humboldt county is known for two things bigfoot and weed wow well. that's important <laughs> crossover yep in fact every year they have a festival called bigfoot days but it's spelled d-a-z-e oh yes. fucking hell have yeah. you wait are you gonna go i mean at some point in the future i'm sure i'll end up there but it's yeah. one of those places all like, roads lead to humboldt county, all, all roads know? lead to bigfoot California days is just one of those weird places where you get places like humboldt county and mount shasta where it's just people have all kinds of strange beliefs oh yeah 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 i mean that's because every fucking absolute psycho wing nut that lives in the u.s US is like I need to get out of my hometown and go to California. So or they all Florida. Like, they know, either go to California yeah, or yeah, Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just you get more of like the weirdly religious New Age cults out in California for some reason. Totally. Like, listen, if you're someone who wants to like shoot Reagan, you go to California. <laughs> if you're someone who hey, like he just got you know, out and he's doing well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a king. But you know, if you want to shoot one of the other presidents, you go to Florida. That's kind of the yep. That's the unwritten rule of those two states. Well, one of the Manson people tried to kill Ford, so that was a California connection ah. there for you. She, d- she did not successfully do it, Squeaky From. But she tried, bless her heart. Yeah, she was one of two people, I think, that year that tried to do it, and neither of them <laughs> succeeded. And it's Gerald Ford. Like, yeah, who cares? He does not seem like a hard man to kill. No. Nor one that you'd really care about. All right. You guys want to get into some of these fucking weirdo movies that Let's we watched? We did a real cryptid triple feature. We watched uh, three films... 
the first one, I think, I want to say it may be the most popular, but it's really hard to gauge if uh, any of them are the most popular. This one just recently got a release from Vinegar Syndrome. Sam, set us up. So the movie that we're talking about first is one that I have a particular soft spot for. Uh, It's Michael Finlay and unofficially Roberta Finlay's 1974 bizarro classic, Shriek of the Mutilated. The abominable snowman, the Yeti, or is it? A scientific expedition that turns into a nightmare for all but a few with the surprise ending of the year. Sometimes it almost sounds like something human. Find anything out there. Dr. Prell thinks we might. Oh, Prell's got a thing about snowmen. The trouble is that people believe that garbage is can get themselves in trouble. It's the damnedest thing, Ernst. If it isn't a Yeti, I can't imagine what it could be. I could see it as it was chewing the flesh of Tom's leg. This is not for the weak. This is truly the shriek of the mutilated. Rated R. Certainly a strange movie. Yeah. And also known as Scream of the Snow Beast, which is one of my favorite alternate titles. Scream of the (laughs) Snow Beast. It just sounds so good. And this was one that, so when we were setting up the the list of the, like our little like mini marathon, our triple feature, this was the one I was fucking like so hyped for. It just got a release from Vinegar Syndrome. And, like, the fucking cover is sick and Shriek of the Mutilated and, you know, Scream of the Snow Beast. This has got to be top-tier fucking King Bigfoot movies. Great title, regardless. Absolutely. And Michael Finlay and especially Roberta Finlay uh, are, are favorites of ours on the show. Yeah, we're, this is actually our first repeat director episode, I think, because... Very early on, we did an episode on Roberta Finlay and her hardcore films, specifically, especially A Woman's Torment. And this one, she's credited as cinematographer. And I don't want to, you know, rehash her whole career. You can go back and listen to that other episode. But when she was working with her then husband, Michael, she often did a ton of uncredited stuff like everything from music selection, which she's definitely responsible for here. Oh, yeah, and this fucking psycho piano <laughs> shit left and right. And it's like, okay, this is absolutely Roberta's work. Well, I'm also pretty sure she co-directed this one. I There were a lot of things in it that reminded me a lot of Woman's Torment. I mean, especially in the way that it looked yeah. throughout. And the way some of the characters were. But I think her and uh, Michael shared some... Similar feelings towards humans in general. They're, they find hatred very detestable. <laughs> oh, the ending especially gives you that impression. Absolutely. And, and even like, th- like throughout the film. So it, it's basically about this professor. Professor Prell. Professor Prell. And he had a group of students seven years ago go out in search of the Yeti or the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch. It's, it's a Yeti. It's the Yeti. It's a Yeti. They're in America, but it's a Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But it's, it's it crossed the ice. <laughs> yeah. See, well, which I'm wondering <laughs> if they mean is a reference to the like Land ice bridge. bridge. I yeah. Believe, I, so, so it's I believe like it's supposed to be set in Alaska. So I believe what they're saying is the Yeti crossed the land bridge that was from from Asia and has been trapped there to North since. America. Yes, great stuff here. And and so the, this professor took a group of students on this like you know ill fated death mission to find the Yeti, 
Uh, they found the Yeti. Massacred everyone. Massacred everybody. The professor comes back, and seven years later, he's like, all right, I got a new group of fresh-faced young fucking college kids, and we're going to go to... A bunch of young college 30-year-olds. Yeah. We're fucking... I assume they were grad students, personally. They're, they're, they're doing Yeti 2, Electric Boogaloo, and they're going to check out and see what they can find in what is clearly Long Island, but uh, playing it off as Alaska or... Can- who, who yeah, I don't what? think they tell you where. It's just implied Boot that Island. it's maybe Alaska. I think they said Alaska at some point. I- I'm still just trying to figure out what college offers Yeti studies. So you can enroll immediately? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, they would, I would be there in a heartbeat. They would hire you on the spot. They would give you grants left and right. But my problem with the Yeti <laughs> study program at this university is that they want to hunt the yeti not study the yeti yeah it's funny they're like yeah we got to get a photograph of this guy and i don't see a single fucking camera in this whole there's a lot of guns there's one camera they got a camera i docked this time around watching there's one terrified female grad student with a camera i don't think she actually takes a picture though (laughs) no (laughs) but they're definitely out to hunt the yeti and i am against hunting all bigfoots yetis skunk apes let them live let them do their thing. But Rob, it's the American way. If you're curious about something or something seems possibly different from you, kill it. Well, so you bring up a good point because with the Bigfoot, it's typically one of two things in media like this. It's either they want to fuck the Bigfoot or they want to yeah. kill it. Oh, yeah. And we'll get, to, earlier, the, we'll get so. to that oh, later. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did a triple feature here and, you know, we, uh, we left no stone unturned. <laughs> but with Shriek of the Mutilated, I, I don't want to say that... Uh, I was let down by the movie because I fucking had a ball with it. Like it was definitely a goofy time, but what happened that really made me, uh, my, my eyes kind of pop out of my head a little bit was the first time they show the Yeti. Yes. And it's uh, whenever you're watching a creature feature, there's always that anticipation, you know, that kind of like that electric feeling, like when you're going to see the fucking, you know, the weird swamp monster, the fucking shark man freak thing. And in this, let's fucking go. Let's see this guy. And then there's a couple flashes of it. You get an arm, and it's like white and hairy. Okay, it's a fucking Yeti. And then when they finally give you the full-on shot of this fucking beast, uh, how would you describe it? I want to say it's like the Shaggy Dog or like the Shaggy DA, you know, those old Disney flicks. It's like they went to Home Depot and got a whole bunch of old school mops like the kind that <laughs> that the janitor would use to clean your elementary school and like sewed them together and then maybe put some sneakers on the bottom i think i described it as a hippie in a fur coat because that's sort of what it looked like and given the period when yep. it was shot yeah that's the closest thing I absolutely could come up with. absolutely my, my other thought was like someone just like grabbed a handful of elmer's glue and smeared <laughs> it all over somebody and then just like threw a bunch of feathers into a fan and whatever ones happened to stick <laughs> It was okay. This is our fucking Yeti here. And but the thing that's so bold that I just absolutely admire so much with these movies is when they have a fucking monster in it and it looks like shit, but they're going to show you this fucking thing every chance they get. Like they are not afraid to hold back and to pull away. And it's something that like there's two types of these creature features. There's the ones that want to like build the suspense, the Jaws ones, where they like they show you the shark a few times and it's so effective. It's like holy fuck, look at this beast. It's terrifying. And then there's the ones that are like this or like the Deadly Spawn or or films in that vein where they're like we're here to see this fucking 
weird ass looking thing and we're fucking giving it to you you know and it's, it's i love that shit it's like uh paul nashy werewolf movies where he's <laughs> like the entire reason i got this budget together is so i could put on this fucking werewolf costume and i'm gonna do it in as many scenes as i can yeah i think they knew because of their budget it wasn't gonna look good and i think that sort of influenced the script because ultimately the twist that comes in at the end yeah plays off on that idea yeah should we should we say what okay. the movie yeah. really L- let's is go into yeah it. i mean we're talking about it might as well uh, of course if it's... you're listening to a podcast like this and you are worried about being spoiled on a movie from 1974 it's yeah, like come on exactly exactly it's fucking shriek of the mutilated you yeah know? it's come it's on, also they so... can also stop the podcast right now and watch it if they want don't to. fucking stop the podcast but right you, 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 you should still watch it yes yeah but I think even though this is not a conventional Sasquatch movie to start with because it breaks the rules or like inverts them, I've, I felt like we had to because, you know, the beginning of our conversation, we're talking all about like alternate religions and how that ties into cryptids oh, and a religion like in this, movie. this is a perfect example of that because what happens is spoiler professor Prell and his colleague who looks like a totally like sleazy bougie guy who lives in the woods with a manservant who we'll talk about in a minute (laughs) it turns out they are part of this global satanic cannibal cult the deep state they're the deep state precisely and their way of luring nubile young college students to be killed and eaten is they have to come up with some convincing conspiracy and the conspiracy is that there's a Yeti on the loose and every couple of years the Yeti massacres people, but really it's the two of them dressing up as a Yeti, which, as Rob just said, gives this great built-in plot device for why the Yeti looks so shitty. Exactly. It's genius. Yeah, I, yeah, and I don't think anyone totally gets that because if you look up reviews for this movie, they talk about how bad it looks and they talk about the creature effects and it's like, well, no, that's the point. Totally. Yeah, you're watching a Scooby-Doo episode yeah. made by demented perverts. You're not watching a Yeti movie. Movie. When I was right. saying that I didn't love this movie, I didn't love it up until that reveal. Then once the fucking reveal came, I was like, oh, okay, the Yeti looks like shit and we fucking love it. And the fact that it is a movie that you think you're going to get, that's it's, it's scripted, scripted zoology. It's a fucking Yeti flick. It's a Bigfoot movie. Very low budget American regional film. And then when they flip the script and they pull the rug out from under you, what it is, is secret societies. It is the most dangerous game. It's people from all over the world who are in this like little club, this cult, this cabal, if Those you will. bastards and skull, skull and bones. Precisely, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that crossover, it's so amazing that it's even in, in 1974, not too long after that... Uh, that film that you were talking about earlier was released of, you know, the fucking Bigfoot guy or gal walking with the funny arms up in the air that almost immediately after that, they were already seeing the connections between the people who glom on to cryptozoology and the people who are into conspiracy theories at large and like the <laughs> illuminati and then but the illuminati is real in this movie yes it they absolutely totally is they're using real. bigfoot as a cover and that was one thing i was very curious about when you were saying earlier when you went to these these things how there's the two camps of people who think you know uh, bigfoot's a god and people that think bigfoot's just you know some ape-like descendant i imagine there is a very hearty debate within the uh, the wingnut crowd 
of what is real and what is not. It's a way to make the insane stuff that they believe more palpable, I think. When it's like, oh yeah, no, listen, we're not fucking crazy here. We don't believe that the Yeti is real. We're just here to hunt people in our cannibal you know, cult, you know? So they believe that like the fucking psycho secret societies that run the world and eat babies and, you know, sacrifice virgins at, you know, the shrine of Moloch, like all that shit is real. Yeah. But they draw the line at Bigfoot and that's like kind of a... I mean, so like I was saying before, a lot of American belief is improvisational. So there are overlaps among like QAnoners and the Bigfoot community. And, you know, within these groups... They obviously have stuff that they consider to be fake or not real. Within UFO community, for example, there is a lot of um, debate over what is real and what's not. I tend to fall in a camp of people who tend to believe most UFO sightings are government disinformation because there's evidence to suggest that at least since the 50s, the government has, in certain instances, tried to weaponize the use of conspiracy theories to put people off. Yeah. From military black projects and other things that they're working on. So every community has that. And it's not necessarily unique to just, you know, what you might call wingnuts. Um, people who are Christians believe in God. You can't prove God. There's no tangible evidence that God exists, yet they believe in something that isn't there. So when I look at these groups, sometimes I try to take um, a more sympathetic view of what they're doing because. To me, it's no different than someone who believes in Jesus or Yahweh or um, well, Muhammad was an actual figure, but like the idea. Of yeah, yeah, the Muslims got it fucking right. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying they got it right, but like, <laughs> so some. So when I look at these things, it's like I, I see it as not dissimilar to religion itself, because religion is based on a gut instinct, a feeling, what we call faith. You know, and it's the same way when someone who believes in Bigfoot. What they're going on is faith, because there isn't really evidence. Even if you're in the hominid group, often what the evidence is, is like a footprint in the woods, but it could be any number of things. So they're having faith that it is what they believe it to be. Yeah, I I definitely also have a sympathetic eye towards that, because I feel like, especially with what you might think of as like the science wingnut branch yeah. with UFOs and cryptids it, who, who are looking for some sort of practical physical evidence and don't think of it as a spiritual thing, I feel like it's this attempt to find wonder and mystery in the world right. and you know, living in this capitalist hellhole, it's like, of course, people are looking desperately for that. And I feel like that's what the show X-Files is all about in, in a way is like these, no, totally. these people who want to, or at least this one person who wants to believe that mystery still exists. Yeah. And, and also not just mysteries, but the answers to the mysteries. Yeah. Knowing what is real and what isn't real is incredibly comforting and grounding and, and can make you understand the world at large because the world doesn't make sense. Right. Yes. And, and the thing is with a lot of these things like, you know, the existence of, of, you know, cryptids, Loch Ness monsters and, you know, Jersey devils, Bigfoots. The Loch Ness monster is real. Obviously. <laughs> I, I included that just to test you and you passed. Thank you. But, you know, having an answer to those things, it, it makes it so that way it's just it's easier to live in the world without fucking answers because the real answer is is uh yes they're real and no they're not 
like, yes, the CIA assassinated Kennedy, and no, they didn't. Or, His I mean, head just magically exploded. Scanner Kennedy. Style. I'm not even. I'm not joking there. But, but what I'm saying though is that like these are things that like you can never actually have all of the answers to. It's right. impossible. Like, and and in a way, a belief in the Kennedy assassination isn't that different from a belief in a belief in Jesus. No, not at all. And because Kennedy has been elevated to a Christ-like figure. I think even when he was that. even when he was alive in a disturbing way. Yeah, the American Camelot. And all yeah. That knowing things in this world can be difficult and it's not even just because a lot of this stuff is unknowable it's often because there's intentionally bad information that's put out there from many different parties within the ufo community you get people who fabricate evidence because they want people to believe um, the government itself has often spread conspiracy theories at different points in time um, it once tried to convince um, people in i believe it was laos of something called yellow rain which was, they were saying the Soviets dropped, you know, chemical weapons. It was later found out to not have happened. Havana Syndrome right now, the government just made up a <laughs> it's story. It's so wild. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that's difficult to know. So when you get to subjects like this, it can be hard to navigate. Not necessarily because Bigfoot isn't, or is real. I don't think Bigfoot is real personally, but it's... Who am I to say that this person who reveres Bigfoot as a godlike figure, one of these yeah. people, who am I to say they're wrong? It's difficult to say that because so yeah. much of what like, we interact like, with is wrong. Precisely. And like, and why would you want to take that fucking away from them? Like when you see someone who's like fucking at the end of their rope and all they got is their, you know, their crystals that they're clutching onto, for you to take their crystals away, then what do you got? Like, yeah. You know, the only what? time I generally step in on stuff like that is when they might be harming other people. The UFO cults like Heaven's Gate or yeah. when the government is trying to push something to escalate a cold war or something like that with Havana syndrome, for example. So there are places to push back occasionally, but if it's not harming anybody, especially with Bigfoot, most of the time belief in Bigfoot doesn't harm anybody. It's just something weird that people do exploit to make money, but that's the circumstance of how we live under capitalism. One of the things that you see is like a lot of these communities I mentioned before that created pilgrimage sites, like they don't have anything else. Like those are communities where people have been leaving for decades because they don't have anything there this is something that brings people in and brings money into the community so who cares yeah right? oh my gosh when i went, went across the country and i was within 150 miles of roswell i was like okay i think i can divert my uh my trip to pass through this fucking dinky dink town yeah and i want to go to a diner shaped like a fucking flying saucer uh, like, who that's, doesn't yep. exactly you yeah, know the and UFO it's, museum i've been there once yeah it's a place it's awesome it's fucking sick and it's 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 like salem and witchcraft it's like they turned it into a whole they made it like yep. a whole theme park salem's yeah. great too i've been there as well. yeah salem is wonderful but the great thing about this movie is it also plays with that like you're saying because ultimately bigfoot is just this manifestation created by the global elite by yep. rich people trying to exploit the everyday person, which yeah, it's it's also wild the way that our first two movies, and we'll get into the second one in a oh, minute. I'm, but I'm psyched. It's wild the way that the first two movies parallel and contrast each other because in the second movie the bigfoot is 100 real. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they have a similar structure where it starts off with some traumatized person telling a story about a Yeti attack and college students and their professor trying to determine if it's real. 
And religion is also very important in both or like, I don't know if you can describe the satanic cult. Well, I guess they're a religion. They, they yeah. do talk about Saturnalia. Yeah. Saturnalia, which, <laughs> yeah. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Saturnalia is a Roman pagan right. holiday and it's not satanic at all. Hey. I mean, to be fair, modern Satanism isn't a real religion. It's also anyway. not it's real. Yes. It's I mean, Christianity is made up too. Right. And Christianity pulled many of its holidays from pagan religions. So it's not like it's too weird. All right, we got to stop bad-mouthing the word God over here. Hey, I just made fun of <laughs> Satanism, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, Nothing is real. Here. All right, you guys want to move on to movie number two, which was my personal favorite of the day? Let's do it. I fucking love this movie so much. And, you know, I know I said I have a soft spot for Shriek of the Mutilated because it's a Finlay movie. It's delightful. It has that great twist ending. But the next movie that we're going to talk about is just sublime on a whole other level. And that is James Wasson's 1980, just absolutely magical, video nasty, Night of the Demon. Those horror stories you heard about in the forest, they're true. They're all true. Officials found a camera with this film in it, but no trace of the people. We believe that there is a creature living in these mountains, possibly a close relative to man. We're already in Bigfoot territory, where all those people were killed. Not far from here, a motorcyclist was found. There was no trace of the thing that killed him. Bigfoot's not playing games anymore. Maybe next time he won't be happy just to scare us. Now, not Night of the Demon 1957. No. And not Night of the Demons 1987, I think. Yes, which we talked about on our goth movie podcast, Evil Eye. But Night of the Demon 1980. Yeah, you have to be very specific when you're looking this for movie Night of up. the Demon. Uh, you have to be specific when you look for any of them, I guess. <laughs> and I think this is a fucking real doozy of a flick. I mean, it's a splattery creature feature. And, and I first saw it over a decade ago. John, actually, he lent me his bootleg DVD. <laughs> and, and when I say bootleg, I mean bootleg. I mean, the cover was a piece of computer paper with like a pixelated picture of the moon and the title <laughs> Night of the Demon. And, and on the inside was like a DVD-R with the movie burned onto it. That makes it sound like a werewolf movie, if a pixelated picture of the moon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually, I was under the impression. So I, it sat on my shelf for like years. I, and I kind of forgot about it. And John didn't tell me anything about it. He's like, gave me a stack of movies and said, here you go, kid. And it sat on my shelf for, for a while. And I did a very random marathon with my friends and some roommates where we watched like the fucking corpse grinders and Henry portrait of a serial killer and phantasm three, one dark night. And when we were like at the end of the night, we're like, okay, let's watch one more movie. I was like, okay, you know what? I have this random movie called night of the demon. And I, I kind of assumed because I didn't know anything about it. I assumed that this was, and this is how I sold it to my friends 
this was going to be a cross between The Exorcist and Friday the 13th. Oh, my God. I thought it was going to be like a possession <laughs> slasher, like Night of the Demon. It's got a moon on the cover. Spoiler. No, it's not a, f- a werewolf movie. It's a fucking Bigfoot movie. And is it ever? Because Bigfoot, you get a lot of Bigfoot in this one. Yeah, this is this is the Bigfoot movie. If you want to see Bigfoot fucking... Fucking. If you want to see <laughs> If you want to see Bigfoot going at it, you want and to see Bigfoot fucking fucking. And like, just like, I, I feel like this is one that immediately just got me with the opening scene where there's this like fucking bumbling hunter walking around the woods and Bigfoot just like doesn't waste any time and just rips his head clean his, off no his arm he rips his arm off what what i'm thinking of is the the title card which yeah, is one of my favorite title cards of gorgeous. all time the hunter gets maybe he gets his arm ripped off first but the yeti rips his head off in this extremely cheap but delightful practical effect and his body falls on the ground blood starts squirting from his neck and it fills up this giant Sasquatch footprint. And then the title, Night of the Demon, goes it's, over it's the cool. blood-filled it's, it's footprint. It's, I mean, it's it's mwah. such... I mean, the imagery of the Bigfoot footprint, this, like, classic, you know, cryptid image that's burned into all of our heads, yep. filling up with blood. And you know, like, okay, this is going to be a splattery, like, my favorite kind of horror movie. One that just, like, throws the fucking gore at you in buckets. <laughs> But also, like, has the keen enough eye to know to, like, you know, give you that footprint, fill it up with blood, have your titles play over with some beautiful music. It's just... It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It it fills me with so much joy. And I feel like I watched this at some point in high school on a really shitty bootleg, but... I've only ever seen shitty versions of this movie. Well, the the first time I really registered it, a couple of years ago, we did... I, I had this Christmas party... Uh, called Yeti Fest. Oh, that's right. We watched this and... Well, so we watched Snow Beast, which is this like kind of crappy made-for-TV movie. We right. watched Demon Warp. Which is fun. George Kennedy uh, fights aliens. Demon Warp? Demon yeah. Warp. George Kennedy, aliens, yetis. Amazing. Uh, Shriek of the Mutilated, and Night of the Demon, and we'll talk about the last one a little bit later, but when we got to Night of the Demon, I definitely had a lot of eggnog because it was a christmas party <laughs> you were fucking nogged out I, on the nog there's a scene that we'll talk about shortly but i made us rewind and rewatch this scene probably 10 times in a row oh i was gosh. dying it's amazing and i i know exactly the scene that you're talking about it's like this is a movie that is filled with about a dozen centerpieces. Yeah, it's you know? just like set piece after set. Truly, if this was a Thanksgiving dinner, it'd be a long fucking table with just turkey, 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 turkey. You know, <laughs> 10 fucking turkeys down the line. Every single eight minutes, there's an ultra gory Bigfoot attack. Yeah, no time is wasted. No time is None. wasted. And, and the in-between stuff when characters are talking, like, it, it's it, it's the perfect kind of, like, inept acting that's almost like, I mean, it's the best Kind it's of a beautiful acting. like regional magic. Yeah, it's it's like these like low budget horror movies in the late seventies and early eighties that have this yeah very regional, almost shot on video vibe, where the actors they sometimes seem like local rejects from like a playhouse or a film school or thespian association, 
but not fucking Night of the Demon. These are just friends of friends of friends of the director who happen to like have a few weeks of free time and are willing to work in exchange for JCPenney gift cards or something. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 amazing. I wish we could just go fishing and forget all this bullshit, but I need the extra credit, so we've got to keep humoring old man Nugent. But don't let him get to you. He's really a pretty good old dude. He's just a sucker on the subject of uh, Bigfoot. But the fact that in between these, like, every eight minutes of a, an extra gory scene, you have that. And then you have, like, crazy occult shit. And then, like, when you get to the next gore scene, the scene that you wanted to talk about, Sam, where the fucking biker pulls up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Please, describe us this scene. It starts off with this heavily bandaged guy in a hospital bed telling the cops this story about what happened and basically this massacre so he's going through and he's describing these different alleged yeti attacks i need to stop saying yeti these alleged bigfoot, bigfoot attacks sasquatch would also be fine thank you probably the second or third maybe the third attack in the movie he's talking about this biker who went missing and you see this guy who looks kind of like an actual biker he is going down this rural road parks his bike to take a piss in the bushes smoke a joint first he yes. has the fucking roach he pulls out and he takes a few like quick uh chooms that's how you know he deserves yes yeah fucking weed head this biker weed head degenerate <laughs> pulls his dick out and you see the guy's actual dick it's oh, not yeah. like nothing is implied it is shown to you and it's none of this marky mark no nights. no it's it's not a fake prosthetic no. dick it's, it's his a, actual dick it's, it's a fine yeah, it's a decent size. Oh, yeah, it looks great. And as he's peeing, or as he's about to pee, the Sasquatch reaches up out of the bushes. And somehow, in all these attack scenes, this gigantic, like, eight or nine foot tall Sasquatch sneaks up on people. Oh, yeah. And rips the guy's dick off. Just rips his dick off. It's yeah one of the most beautiful things I've it's ever great. seen. And then the guy just like walks around with these extreme close-ups of his fucking like severed cock just like spilling out blood and he gets over to his motorcycle and just starts bleeding all over the engine. <laughs> just such inspired imagery. It's real American art right here. Absolutely. And, and, and with these low budget movies, a lot of times they're, they're fun. They're cute little oddities, but they don't, they, they might give you the goods once, you know, maybe in the opening scene, they're like, oh, hey, here's a good old bit here. They might give you a little bit in the ending. But this is one that just keeps fucking doling it out to you throughout. And, and lots it's, of it's extended great. shots of people screaming, like instead of having conversational filler, like many low budget horror movies do. They just have these scenes that go on and on with ladies who are observing someone being killed by the Sasquatch, just screaming and thrashing around. And it, it is, yeah. it is just bliss, but we should get to the other big scene. Hang on. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's build up to a little bit more, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> well, so we need to light some candles and set okay, the mood. Let, let me set the mood. So they're not, they're not just the college students and the professor aren't just there to investigate evidence of a Sasquatch. They're also there to investigate rumors about this spin-off Christian cult, which, you know, ties perfectly into what we've been talking about. Yep. That's headed by this local sort of preacher figure 
and they they find that this cult is having these rituals these like sexualized rituals that possibly involve cannibalism because that's the you know yeah. hot ticket for and today the scene when they stumble upon the cult it's like, like the race f- with the devil yeah yeah, yeah. well i, I was but, gonna say but if, better <laughs> it feels almost like fucking like like in Call of Cthulhu, when they go to the fucking... Uh, yeah. If you watch this movie, one of the things you'll notice is beat for beat, it's actually essentially Lovecraft's Shadow over Innsmouth because oh. it starts with the narrator who we don't... In this case, we know who they are. I, I don't think they uh, that Lovecraft ever names the narrator in Innsmouth. But he loves not naming narrators. Yeah, exactly. And that guy also is like, this horrific thing that happened to me, here's the story. And then when you get to the sex stuff... It's like, wait a minute, it's literally the same thing because in that, I think it's the esoteric order of Dagon. Yeah. Where they're, you know, having these weird rituals for yeah, it's, this fish god. And yeah, like the with sex a, stuff. And it's the same exact thing because in Shadow Over Innsmouth, the guy who heads the cult is this podunk backwoods preacher yep. who is basically using his own daughter as kind of a sexual receptacle yeah. for the the demon god and, and there's a similar fear over inbreeding with different species which in lovecraft's case means uh, miscegenation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sure we so, know we know uh about the lovecraft uh, right so i think okay so i actually do think insmith as a story is sort of redeemable because at the end ultimately the character embraces it and tries to break his cousin out after they've turned into fish people i think that was maybe lovecraft's acknowledgement that you know he was a little fucked in the head. During the winter of 1927 to 28, officials of the federal government made a strange and secret investigation of certain conditions in the ancient Massachusetts seaport of Innsmouth. The public first learned of it in February, when a vast series of raids and arrests occurred, followed by the deliberate burning and dynamiting of an enormous number of crumbling, worm-eaten, and supposedly empty houses along the abandoned waterfront. But here, it's like, it functions in a very similar way, where the story, it's almost beat for beat, Shadow Over Innsmouth. And as I was watching, I was like, this is really weird, because uh, there was a later adaptation, Dagon, which is also very similar, if you follow it. Not as good as Night of the Demon, though. I don't know, Dagon's actually pretty good. It's not that good. I, I know, I, I know people love it. I've never seen it. That's like one you of the ones that I, I haven't seen. I, I would take it because I, I actually, I liked Castle Freak. I know that's not Lovecraft per se, but uh, it's kind of the same, like, yeah. uh, no, well, it's, the family that made it, you know. It's, the, yes, uh, and Gordon. Yeah, if, if you liked Castle Freak, you probably will love Dagon. Oh, cool, cool, I, good. for some reason, other than... Uh, Reanimator and From Beyond, I just can't get into Stuart Gordon, and so I think it, it's just like the way his films look. Yeah, I I mean Reanimator just has perfect pacing. It's almost like a stage play, in and that, is like cast every perfectly. there's yeah. no fat in the movie. It's just like do do do, and it's it moves. so it's funny. It's such a great yeah. great clip, and that's that's kind of almost lightning in a bottle, and yeah. in a way. Speaking of lightning, so is Night of the Demon. Demon. There's so many things about it that are elements that I usually kind of hate or I I, I don't like in my particular type of uh, cult movies or psychotronic movies. I don't love the like, it's so bad, it's good kind of like, you know, goofball (laughs) shit. But this, it's it's a perfect midnight movie, you know. It, It has, I think, really 
it makes interesting use of its religious themes because the creepy preacher father, all of this is basically his fault. His teenage daughter goes on a totally innocent date with a boy. And because she just like sits next to this guy on a riverbank, her father kicks her out of the house and accuses her of fornication and hellfire and blah, blah, blah. Or whatever the phrase they would use back then is. Yes. Scarlet woman, all of those things. And because she's been locked out of the house in the middle of the night, the Sasquatch happens upon her and is like, well, you don't see a teenage girl by herself every day. Guess now I should rape you. And he falls in love with her. She gets pregnant and is allowed to move back into the father's house, but he just becomes increasingly insane. She's increasingly traumatized, gives birth to the Sasquatch baby. And that's where he goes fully off his rocker and starts this like, pseudo-Christian Sasquatch Worshiping sex cult. cult. Yeah, and, and like earlier when I was like talking shit on the actor saying they're like working for JCPenney gift cards, I mean, I know it sounds like I'm taking the piss out of it when I say that stuff, but I mean, this movie is wonderful. I mean, I fucking love it. Please, if you're listening to this, <laughs> put it on late at night, and if you're too old or too square or too professional to smoke weed, fret not. This is one of those magical kinds of movies that just makes you feel stoned watching it. Regardless, yes. It's it's pure psychotronic gold. Well, and I think it goes beyond oh, it's just entertaining because it's so bad it's it's funny. It's like it's it has moments of genuine creepiness and genuine horror. Yeah. Definitely some moments that are funny, but it's so weird that it goes beyond Like I was saying that. with the Lovecraft stuff, that's not a criticism. If you're going to crib from somebody, it, that's probably a good source to crib from. Yeah. And oh, yeah. It hits all of the correct plot points to convey the story it was trying to tell. Absolutely. And it's occasionally, not always, very well shot. And oh yeah, there are beautiful outdoor shots. Yeah, and and even like some like framing choices that are made and blocking. It's it's seems pretty professional at times. Not always, of course. But the one thing that like is really fucking good throughout the whole movie is the sound design. I was <laughs> I, I was very very impressed. I know you said earlier that you you watched like the uh, the, the version on Amazon Prime, or, which is probably the same bootleg version that yeah. I watched many years ago. I'm not sure which company put this out, but there there was a Blu-ray release of this. Was it Vinegar Syndrome? I don't think so. I want to say it was Severin. Okay, well, no offense to uh, the uh, the the classy disc producers that did whatever this was. I downloaded it. It's out there, people. And it looked <laughs> fucking great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, it looked amazing. It looked so good. I, I mean, I, I was incredibly impressed with... Just how nice it, it and, and usually when these movies are cleaned up and look really nice and you take away that they fucking, look worse, that muddiness, it's like, oh, OK, this, this movie fucking is like looks like shit now. You know, you can it, see the boom mic. Yeah, like it, it, <laughs> yeah. Looked, it looked better when it was all muddy and washed out or whatever. But this I mean, it, it shows that it was competently put together and then it's. Yeah, I, I, I really can't recon- recommend this one enough. It's it's a great late night flick. Lord, Lord. Give me the strength to bear up under this horror that's squirming in her belly. Give me strength, merciful father, to force my daughter of hell to drink the medicine that will kill the demon child inside her. Lord, 
What sins could I have committed that would cause you to curse my house like this? I can hear the demon devil that did this to her lurking in the forest. It watches her every move. I hear it. I hear the thing prowling around, waiting, waiting for the birth of its damnable offspring from my unholy daughter. Kill that evil thing growing inside her and take the girl too, if it be thy will. It also is an interesting transition to our next movie <laughs> because it includes Yeti. Oh big my God. Foot. It's big almost foot, big foot, big this foot. Is, this is it's all, uh, yeah, I just, I don't Come know on. what's wrong with me. I, you're a film scholar, Sam. I Come know. On. I'm ashamed. It's, and I am a Bigfoot scholar. I know. <laughs> it's all about Bigfoot sex and Bigfoot rape. Bigfoot which, breeding to create a new Bigfoot? A new spiritual race? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even know. But, all right. I, I see you're getting ready for uh, movie number three. Right. And it fascinates me that there is not just one movie to feature Sasquatch sex, but it's like a whole subgenre. No, there, there were a bunch of them in the seventies. Absolutely. There yeah, what the were they doing in the seventies? Yeah. I mean, there was this one. Uh, there's another one called, I believe the geek. What we're referring to here are adult films. There yes. was a subgenre, as is probably a case with a lot of niche stuff that uh, exists in horror and other weird communities. I know there was a subset of like satanic themed yeah. adult films and all kinds of stuff, but we're talking about um, porn. Yes, which we can argue Bigfoot about. Porn. We can argue about that in a second. Yeti but porn. Movie Sasquatch num- porn. Actually, is there Yeti porn? I, I think there think might so. be only Bigfoot porn. Yeah. Movie number three is Ray Natto's 1974 softcore bizarro movie, The Beast and the Vixens, also known as The Beauties and the Beast. My God, what is that? I'm not sure. I think it's a creature they wrote about in the Times. What creature? Some hunters say they saw some being in the woods. This monster fits a description. Oh, what does he want with us? Oh, Christ, I don't know. I've been so petrified ever since he grabbed me. Can't we get out of this place? No. He blocks the entrance every time he leaves. You mean it's, it's hopeless? Not completely. There was another girl here who ran out when the monster's back was turned. I tried to follow, but he grabbed me. Okay. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call this porn because I don't think of softcore nudie cuties as porn. And I know I've argued with you about this before. I absolutely <laughs> adore the fact about you that that the gate that you love to keep, the, you know, the, the, the hill that you die on is fucking whether there's penetration in a film or not. Yeah, it's like, if listen, there's I mean, not that's penetration. The act, that's how they yeah. classify yes. it. Yes, see, thank you. If it's not, if there's not penetration, it's not porn. But I love yeah. that, like, I can almost, even when you're talking, I can hear the, like, the keyboard clacking on the Twitter response. <laughs> well, actually, there was no penetration in this Bigfoot softcore porn. I believe this was regarded as pornographic when it was released. I mean, it probably played some theaters. I don't know how many, but it's definitely not like a traditional porn, especially from that era. It's, it would have been like more appropriate for the eighties and nineties softcore era. For sure. For sure. I'm sure if, you know, someone walked in on this movie that wasn't expecting what it is, their monocle might fall out of their, you know, their eye. (laughs) 
But Sam, on the other hand, she puts her monocle into her eye when I these kinds really of movies come I really dig it on. in there. There's a whole line around my eye and everything. <laughs> and and the Beast and the Vixens, it, it is part of this tradition that, uh, I know I was saying this earlier, how it was like someone snapped a picture of, you know, a fucking weird, hairy creature. Lady Yeti. Lady Yeti I'm in the Lady woods. Lady Sasquatch, oh I'm God. so sorry. You're fucking, you're banned. <laughs> you're you're going to have to start I'm, I'm, tasing me. No, I'm going to bleep out every time you say Yeti. But the moment that <laughs> that someone, you know, took a picture of a fucking, you know, Sasquatch in the woods doing that funny, like, you know, saunter Strut. that it does. The moment that that happened, someone was like, okay. Some producer, some absolute genius producer was like, okay. We got to get this guy fucking. We got to see how, how stacked he is. Like I was you saying, know? with humans and Americans specifically, you, with Bigfoot, you either want to fuck it or kill it. One yeah. of the two. And it's it's just amazing how that was like just immediate. Like bef- before, you know, it was even a cultural phenomenon. It was already a fetish. All of the Sasquatch erotica that I can think of involves a male sasquatch having sex with human females right do you know of any where the opposite is true where it's a no, female sasquatch the audience for porn in that era was mainly men even with like the what is it the porn chic stuff yeah it was still primarily men so it was they wanted to see nude women having sex yeah the closest i guess technically there's a lesbian couple in here so that yes. like may be like not totally i mean it's still male kids i mean yeah i was gonna say i'm trying to think of like what would have been in this for women honestly i I, the closest uh you know thing i can think of is the uh the wonderful et porno film have either of you ever seen the et porn which one only clips the one where it's (laughs) this lady in the most amazing makeup just getting bopped away and the dude like he's like fucking this alien this looks awful and it's just so gross I watch it all the time it's so funny E.T. phone You know what this actually reminds me of? Barochik's The Beast. Oh my God, no. That, that... <laughs> I had to bring it up because it came out a year after this. That movie is a piece of art. And You're saying this is an art, Sam? It's... It's also called The Beauties and the Beast. True. You could watch it as a sort of interesting double feature with Labette. But this one, it does that thing that... Low-budget New York softcore movies do in such a special way, which is there are a lot of just, like, regular boring scenes of people having sex. Like, couples going down into a park, laying a blanket on the ground and trying to bang. Or, you know, the two ladies who start making out. And then it throws in other plot elements completely at random. Like, yeah, there are times where they'll cut away from like a sex act to just have someone driving their car with like dumb music playing. And then <laughs> no they transition. go back to the yeah. sex. And then it's just like, neither of these shots are, or neither of these, you know, plot elements are that interesting. Like, because it's a softcore, it's like people fucking gyrating their thighs next to their knees. And it's just, it's... Very uncomfortable looking. Well, but wait, it reminds me of a movie that you discovered a couple of years ago for my plant marathon, 
which is don't eat please eat my mother uh, please don't eat my mother please don't please, eat it, my yeah, mother it was basically like little shop of horrors but the softcore movie you know yeah yeah but that, it was exactly version. like the beauty and the beast yeah except random sequences of a human eating plant yeah and then sometimes people having sex in the park for no reason yeah this guy yeah feeding the girls that he would bring home to his plant and meanwhile this poor guy's just trying to get laid yeah he he just wants to fuck and his plant just wants to eat everything but uh, you said this term earlier and i'm kind of curious exactly what it what it means i know i've heard it a few times you said nudie cuties yeah nudie cuties so in the 60s and there, there was definitely a period where you could not get away with making hardcore films. It, it just wasn't really legal. Uh, they didn't legalize it till 70, I believe. Yeah. And so speaking of the Finlays, who, you know, we talked about with Shriek of the Mutilated, in the 60s, the Finlays, because they couldn't make hardcore movies yet, and they worked in both horror and hardcore, sometimes the both, they made this genre called roughies, which Herschel Gordon Lewis pretty much pioneered. It was sort of like these really nasty exploitation movies with as much sex and violence as you could get away with before 1970. And nudie cuties are kind of like the lighthearted, optimistic version of that, where Doris Wishman made a bunch of them, like Nude on the Moon, and there are all these nudist camp movies where it's like, we're just chilling in this sort of picturesque setting, maybe we're at the beach, maybe we're on the moon, maybe we're in a weird garden in Florida. Just a bunch of nude people hanging Just out. Just a reason for ladies to be naked. I saw one years ago that was like, I forget the title. It was, it had like fucking Dracula and the fucking Wolfman. And all they kept doing was they were like, like peeking in through windows at like naked girls just kind of shaking their tits around. House on Bear Mountain. Oh, of course you know it. Of course. (laughs) House on Bear Mountain. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) But that's basically what this movie is. It's like random plot elements, like these gang members show up and kidnap people or hold people up at one point. But mostly half the movie is just like an excuse to show women naked or people having sex and then sometimes a sasquatch shows up but and sasquatch doesn't have sex he doesn't which is baffling and it's he funny just like carries the women around yeah and he absconds with them off to his cave and then locks them in but doesn't do anything and one of the women is even one of the women like there's two of them in the cave at one point what the one woman's like oh no what's he gonna do to me and the other woman's like oh don't worry about him he, he's just <laughs> he's, he locked the door and yeah. it's like He's giving us privacy. You're making a Bigfoot, like, adult film, and you don't have Bigfoot doing Bigfoot things. Okay, so this was... insane. This is my theory here. There was a fucking dirty producer who was like, listen, I need you to make a fucking Bigfoot softcore porno here. I want to see Bigfoot fucking, you know? (laughs) And I want to see this dirty Bigfoot man get it going. But he hired this, like, director who had, you know, artsy aspirations and was, like, you know, had, like, a... A soft heart, basically. And he's like, listen, Bigfoot is a gentleman. Bigfoot <laughs> is not... Listen, I- I'll do it. I'll have him carry some girls around. Friend of forest creatures yeah. and ladies. I will include one scene where he feels a girl up. But that's as far as I'm willing to go with this Bigfoot, man. I have way too much respect for this cryptid king. And, <laughs> and you know, whatever. What's the producer going to do? He's like, all right, as long as there's some titties... I can and sell some, this fucking thing, no problem. Some people gyrating, but... Rob, do you want to tell us what happens at the end? How how the movie positions Bigfoot? 
I actually don't remember. Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did Bigfoot get positioned in this? Oh, they turned him into the hero. Yeah, they turned yeah. him into a hero. So they set up, in the beginning of the movie, you have these like drug dealers, this gang, whatever. It's like two very like Italian-looking men in... Uh, Some guys they found in Central Park. <laughs> in like flak jackets and yeah. beanies and... They're there calling in some kind of like deal, setting something up. They pop up again at the end of the film to threaten our, I don't I, I don't know if you'd call them heroes, the gang of kids that were hanging out. The with. people that you're yeah, watching. They're like trying yeah. to find some treasure or something. Something some like coins. that, gold coins. <laughs> and it's Bigfoot also kind of, shit up. it's like a Scooby episode. Yeah. More so yeah. than Shriek of the Mutilated. Yes. Yeah, this is yeah. a very weird version of Harry and the Hendersons, I would say. You oh, know? I love that movie. <laughs> I mean, I think this one came early in the Bigfoot cycle because it came out 74, or at yeah. least that's when it was made. I don't know if it was released. But two years before, um, Legend of Boggy Creek came out. And oh, that's, I yeah. think, generally considered like the film that helped set off the Bigfoot craze because it did like a traveling roadshow type of deal where it played all over the South in drive-in markets and made tons of money for Charles B. Pierce. And then after that, lots of Bigfoot films, Bigfoot documentaries, which was like a subgenre of the Bigfoot film. A lot of the stuff, a lot of that stuff followed. Yeah, and Legend of Boggy Creek is I know a while ago, Charles, you were talking about how when people make monster movies, they usually try to cash in on like you're here for the monster, we're going to show you the monster as much as possible, but Legend of Boggy Creek, it's like 90% of it are these gorgeous but creepy outdoor shots of yeah. the swamp. And so it relies like way more on atmosphere and doesn't really show you the Bigfoot that much. It's an American folk horror film. It totally is. Yeah. It's just, it's, I actually think it's a very interesting film. A lot of people tend to not like it because they think it's slow or boring. Pierce also did uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh, that's that Which guy. Which I love okay. so much. Yeah, so he was someone that's who... That's a really interesting movie. It's similar in that movie, too, because huh. you don't see the killer for the most part. Yeah, yeah. only and it, the brief shot. Like, similar, where it's just like, this thing exists in the world. Maybe you will encounter it next. Yeah. As a storyteller, he was interesting in the way he used the exploitation market. Yeah, for sure. I don't love The Town That Dreaded Sundown, but I think about it all the fucking time. The more you know? times and, you and watch it... I, I can't I wait to you. see it again. But it also has those great shots of Texarkana and the surrounding community. Yeah. Where here, I believe it's... Like um, Alabama or something? Folk Alabama or something like that. And it's beautiful. A lot of the rural imagery that they shoot is legitimately beautiful. I remember, I think we yeah, went we to Phoenixville saw a the few restoration. years ago for the restoration. And it was Charles Pierce's daughter who was there. She talked a lot about the cinematography and his like shot choices because obviously she has a stronger connection to him and she wants it to be presented as art, which I actually think it is more so than many other Bigfoot films. But even with Night of the Demons, something that I mentioned to Charles when we were watching that gorgeous Blu-ray restoration is it's a much more beautiful film than it has any right to be. Right. Yeah. A movie with fucking dicks getting ripped off <laughs> and like just a lady screaming in a van for 10 minutes while a guy gets murdered off screen yeah, and a Bigfoot rape and a fucking weird like in inseminated fucking cryptid baby fucking birth scene like why is this movie so gorgeous yeah <laughs> and that's one of the problems i have with like recent bigfoot movies especially um and movie a lot of movies just recently in general a lot of them um composition cinematography it's not really a consideration and in a movie about bigfoot bigfoot is as much a part of the 
local scenery as it is like cryptozoological figure. Yeah, I imagine most people who fucking love Bigfoot, who want to go out there and find the guy, whether they want to fuck him, kill him, or just snap a quick (laughs) selfie, that one of the reasons why they do it is because, you know, this country is kind of beautiful when you go out into the fucking woods, you know, and you like go out there. But also kind of scary. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All those things go hand in hand. And it's it's an excuse to ex- to go into nature and to get in touch with, you know, the, the beauty and wonder of the world and maybe see yourself a Sasquatch. Uh, before we wrap up, I have one more great topic I, I wanted to pick your brains about or, or to see if you guys knew anything about this. Do you know about the cottage industry of just these, they're like, like PDF books on like Amazon Kindle or Nook or whatever the fuck that are are all like Bigfoot erotica. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many of them. And then they're all like a dollar a pop or two bucks a pop. I was reading that there are these regular ass middle-aged suburban moms who just like pump these out. Or this one article was saying about this. And they just like put their kids through college writing about savaged by the sasquatch oh so this sort of answers the question i so okay first of all i did not know about the sasquatch erotica i a lot of it so i know about the centaur erotica oh god which is its whole what do you know about that you know that it exists i've never read one but i kind of need to but you also answered you basically answered the question i raised earlier which was like do any movies exist where things are flipped and it's it's not just the standard formula. And I'm betting that somewhere in this litany of Sasquatch erotica, there's got to be a book about a lady Sasquatch who fucks. Yeah. I'm going to find out. Well, so a lot of this, um, and since we talked about porn earlier, it, it functions in a similar way when you're on those adult sites and you see something like not sister or oh whatever. Oh my God, yes. So a lot of the erotica that we're referring to here is explicitly meant to invoke the image of bestiality, but because it's illegal to promote that. It's not your German shepherd, but it is right. giant so and hairy. women in these stories get to fuck Bigfoot. They get to fuck a centaur because there is a long tradition as fortunate unfortunate as it may be of women having sex with animals you know like the idea it of goes horse. all the way back to greek mythology exactly. it plays a huge part there but yeah. it's not just women who write this there was actually um a member of the virginia house of representatives or maybe even our actual congress who wrote bigfoot erotica because in 2018 this guy named oh. denver riggleman ran no. for a seat in virginia as a republican and i believe one yes he de- he defeated his democratic opponent 53 to 47 wait and the guy was writing bigfoot porn he wrote the mating habits of bigfoot and why women want him yeah yes oh man so he was he wrote Did you other say his name too. was riggleman riggleman Denver oh my god riggleman. holy shit i wonder what his like pseudonym he was writing these under was if so his he also real wrote non-bigfoot erotica but he also wrote bigfoot erotica well so. yeah you yeah. love you to hear it all the it's yeah. the american way he oh, also god. eventually um event went down the QAnon rabbit hole of course surprise, it's, surprise, it's, yeah it's a, it's really it's a straight shot you know you not go from, necessarily uh you, you dance around in this uh, <laughs> this scene too long you know what kind of what kind of Kool-Aid is that that you got over there? What are you drinking? What is that? <laughs> CIA could have done that one too. No, I'm not nuts. This thing's been following me around all fucking morning. I'm telling you. Fine. 
bed. He thinks I'm paranoid. Should bring him the fucking helicopter and we'll see how paranoid I am. Well, listen, here's the thing. I don't believe in any of these fucking conspiracy theories, but every single thing you say about the CIA is absolutely true. Even, yeah. even, even the made-up shit, it's, it's, it's all true. No I mean, is any of it made up? I don't know. I think the satanic pedophile stuff is probably made up. There are elite people who engage in pedophilia, but they're not satanists. Well, yeah, that, that's a oh, way... Oh, no, I meant, is anything you hear about the CIA that's bad made up? Oh, good point. I thought you meant conspiracy. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I meant specifically anything about the CIA. Agreed there. I, you know, all I, true. Not I'd, a conspiracy. I'd imagine that some of it probably is where that there's like so much crazy psycho shit that's flooded out there that like, like you were saying where the sat- satanic pedophilia, maybe not, but like actual pedophilia, obviously. All the time. Yeah. The CIA has trafficked drugs, women, people in various ways. Oh, yeah. It's just... They're not Satanists. In fact, if you yeah. look at like the history of them, many of them were Christians. Yeah, but it's, crazy it's a ones it's a way to make the idea of the CIA engaging in these illicit acts seem so absurd it's that you can't believe it in the conspiracy community. What wait? What's it called? Shit coding. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're 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 shitting in the well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we wrap up, I have a question for both of you. Shoot it. Have you seen? suburban sasquatch you made me watch it i know (laughs) sam you've been threatening to make me watch it and it's so funny when we when we were like oh let's do a fucking cryptid triple feature and get rob on and you're like all right we'll watch suburban sasquatch i'm like yeah let's see what else there is (laughs) you absolutely need to watch it i will oh my god point you know i almost don't want to say anything about it other than apparently it's on blu-ray now because what a time to be alive. Truly. Wasn't it shot on DV or something? It was, yes. It was... It was like 2006, 2007, 2004. Oh, no. You want me to watch a fucking shot on DV 2004 movie? It's magical. He so kills fresh. some cops. Hey, well, you know, I'm a man of simple pleasures. Simple I, taste. Exactly. You know, they put his A-cap. Yes. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, you know, I, we were saying earlier how Bigfoot kind of attracts like a right-wing crowd at some of these like, you know, conventions that you go this to. That's true. I want to fucking bring him back. I want to rehabilitate the fucking big man. To be fair, there is a broad Bigfoot community as opposed to like, you know, people who believe in satanic pedophiles are probably almost always right-wing. People who believe in Bigfoot come from different, you know, walks. Yeah, forward. there's oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking wingnut. I don't personally believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm going to edit all that shit out too, man. <laughs> I actually had a guy do that to me on a podcast. Oh, episode. no. I, I, wow. I just threw it. Havana I'm... Syndrome. Um, he, he was against Havana Syndrome, but he also had like an official guest and we got into the subject of gang stalking. Oh yeah. Where I, like, I just I'm, learned about gang stalking recently. I'm I was somewhat looking sympathetic at the... to it because like, wait, what are... is gang stalking? Oh, it's so, so sad. There's this group of people who call themselves targeted individuals and they believe that the government is stalking them, which oh. depending on how you look at things, like there are actual examples of it and language that is used that is very similar among police departments mm-hmm. and the intelligence. Yeah. Community. I was, I was on the gang stalking subreddit recently. I, I just look, like discovered I it. it. Now and then. It was like heartbreaking stuff. Just like these people that were yeah. clearly, you many know, of them are disturbed. And, yeah. I was going to yeah. say that. And, sounds... and, and they are, and they're like reaffirming each other on there and it's just like, Oh no. It's but the so point sad. I was making with this guy and initially I, so he was, he was someone I'd gotten along with. I had shared some of his stuff and it seemed like he was 
on my level. And when I get on there, the point I'm actually making, I'm not saying these people are always correct. I'm saying in the society that we live in, there's a specific reason why these people came to this belief beginning roughly in the 2000s when the CIA is conducting renditions to black sites internationally, when police departments are using actual language, uh, calling things like targeted harassment, predictive policing. All of this stuff came about for a very specific reason. And these people believe this because in the society that we live in, in this point in time right now, things like this do happen. Now, it doesn't necessarily happen with these people in the way that they're saying, but the government and police departments, the military, they do these things. So it's not yeah, they do target and harass to say people. that yeah. like no, for sure. people suffer in a way that isn't dissimilar to the TI community, but the TI community itself just are people who are mentally unwell and they take this information to extreme places. Yeah, persecution mania is Right. A real and heartbreaking thing. And it goes back decades. Yeah. And I also made a point like how obviously it ties into UFO stuff, men in black and all of that. But this asshole decides to edit down my portion the last 15, 10, 15 (laughs) minutes of this episode and makes it seem like I'm like laughing at these people. There's one point where he asks me, he's like, well, why don't you go hang out with the TI? I'm like, because I don't want to get shot or hurt. Because one of the things that you see over the last decade, especially, many of these people are people who commit mass shootings because they think this is their own weakness. So basically what you're saying is every time you say, I don't believe in Bigfoot, we should edit out the don't. I believe in Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like lots of people hold crazy beliefs. That's what America is. Rob, for the people out there, where where can we where can we find you? And what do you have working on in the uh, in the pipe? Uh, so I have some stuff I can't reveal fully yet because I'm waiting for the magazine in question to accept it. But I have some stuff potentially on connections between rock music and conspiracy theories. Um, I'm on Twitter most actively. That's where you can find me at Robert Scavarla. I'll let you figure out how to spell that. And then I have my own personal site, MondoAmerica.com and a medium where I occasionally post stuff when I'm not getting paid to. And then occasionally I still write about movies at Diabolik. And you still have an episode of The Evil Eye that has to be edited on The Crow, and I watched all of The Crow sequels. I didn't watch all of The Crow sequels. So, so listeners, if you find Rob on Twitter, and I retweet him all the time, so he's easy to find, harass him. <laughs> gang stalk him, if you will. <laughs> I don't want gang stalkers. <laughs> You're going to get them. Uh, we also have a little uh, Patreon. Yeah, where uh, can they find you? We can be found. Uh, yeah, if you, if you like the show and you like uh, what we do, uh, we just moved to a new place and we have no money at all, except for all the money that we get from our illicit uh, activities around the world doing... Uh, where are you going with this? Fucking no. You will get know. the CIA following you in. I, I am, I'm no good at the self-promotion stuff. Uh, yeah, but we got a Patreon. But fuck it, to save your money, invest in in gold. And if you amass enough gold coins, maybe a bunch of ruffies in Central Park will come hunt you down. And a yeti will save you. I think you mean Bigfoot. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> and on that note. Yeah. See you later, everybody. That was fun. Bye. <laughs>